that, that's really amazing and really empowering, telling the, the truth and telling your personal story. Because many young people, they're actually afraid of joining and afraid of saying, hey, I'm doing politics. And it, it's really empowering and really good seeing how people actually, once they get the sense of belonging, they really get inspired and start doing things. Hi folks, my name is Sam Johannes, and you are stuck with me on this episode of Global, which is my pleasure to introduce as the first in a little series we're going to do called The Bright Spots of Democracy. Uh, 2019 has been filled with a bunch of news about uh, challenges and, and pressure facing democracies around the world. And to be sure, those pressures are very real. Uh, whether from uh, external forces like Russian or Chinese uh, aggression or, or malign influence, or internal pressure like the rise of uh, fringe populist political movements, or newer challenges that sort of straddle both categories like uh, social media's role in exacerbating disinformation and polarization. Uh, the path forward for the democratic world is not without some serious challenges, but... As we wrap up our third season of Global, we thought it would be a good idea to share some stories and voices that speak to a different narrative. In particular, we wanted to raise voices that remind us that democracy is something that you do. It's not a set state of things. It unfolds day to day as real individuals work out their differences according to a set of principles that solve problems in real places. So as long as there are people who value those democratic principles as a way to live in society, democracy will continue to progress. And that's where our guests today come in. They are those people who live out a commitment to democratic values. They're not making the international news yet, but their lives are democracy's real success stories in 2019. You'll hear from six individuals appearing in the following order. Esma Gumbaridze from Georgia, Konstantina Stoyanova from Bulgaria, Malik Sakic from Bosnia and Herzegovina, Yuela Hamati from Albania, Alexander Savic from Serbia, and Luka Krzyzewski from North Macedonia. They're all members of the European Democracy Youth Network, which is a program for young leaders in politics and, and civic activism in Central and Eastern Europe, uh, supported by IRI and our colleagues at the National Democratic Institute. We got a chance to speak to these six folks at the network's Democracy Summit in Berlin on the 30th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall, which was, of course, the most uh, visible symbol of democracy triumphing over communism in Europe in the 20th century. But for our six guests, all Europeans born after 1989, the fall of the Berlin Wall had a different meaning than it did for their parents. For their parents, it was an aspirational symbol of democracy's promise for prosperity and self-determination. But for their generation, it was a history lesson. Unlike their parents, they grew up in democracies uh, that succeeded or failed to varying degrees to deliver on those promises. But ultimately, they still share their parents' belief that democracy is the path forward for improving the lives of people in their countries. To start us off, we asked our guests to reflect on some of those themes. 
by regaining our independence, we paid a huge social uh, price uh, while freeing ourselves from the Soviet occupation. I compare, you know, the state uh, of the occupation uh, with uh, a state of a livestock of some chicken at the chicken farm, where, yes, they are groomed, yes, they are fed uh, with food and treated medically when necessary. But once the, um, the farmers decide that they need to be uh, killed to be sold as meat, they are killed right away. And uh, when you are free, bird, nobody can decide for 100% that you will die um, and for 100% what to do with you. Because, because then if you are domesticated, you are completely at your master's disposal. Bulgaria until 1989. Oh no, before the fall of the Berlin Wall, we had uh, our regime as well. And you can still, three decades afterwards, you can still feel the fingerprint of the communist regime. And unfortunately, when it comes to democracy in Bulgaria, many people do believe things haven't been changing pretty much. I mean, the politicians that have been related to the communist regime, they become Democrats all the way sudden. And just with a snap of a finger, they change their mentality and way of doing politics. The truth is that in Bulgaria, we're taking steps in order to become a really democratic and to have democratic values. And uh, especially when it comes to young people, the ones that we haven't suffered the communist regime and we haven't been part of it, you can really say that young people are doing things in order to eliminate the consequences of the regime. So, for example, young people are really engaged in actually going out and showing that things could get better. That is not, when it comes to politics, it's not about just corruption, it's not about bribing, it's not about bad things, but it can actually good, do good for people. Even though we have a lot of democratic parties, even though we are considered a democratic country, you, you weren't able to feel that from 1995 until 2015, I would say, because the situation is corrupted. Like, you can mostly do everything with money. And the thing is, with the new youth wind, that I like to call it, uh, the situation is really changing because the people are really sick of it. I was born in that period. I grew up in that period. Like, my whole life is... Uh, like corruption and people leaving and they are unsatisfied and I actually don't don't want to live like that and and a lot of young people from my country don't want to live like that and that is making us change something in our country. Albania was a communist country until 1991 and after we established our institutions we have been talking all the time about being part of the European Union and that hasn't happened yet and it's you know like almost three decades since communism fell and still we're not where we thought we would be in 1991 but this doesn't mean that we you know we should stop fighting to advance democracies in our in our countries even though we wouldn't maybe consider all our countries as fully democratic this doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and make them what we dream them to be so, sort of summing up what we just heard from Esma, Constantina, Malik, and Yuela, I think there's uh, several takeaways. First, since the fall of the wall and the subsequent democratic transitions that happened in Central and Eastern Europe, there's undoubtedly been positive changes um, in people's quality of life. But there are still challenges. 
some of which are the consequences of communist legacies like uh, underdeveloped institutions like the judiciary, like you other mentioned. But some are more enduring challenges that democracies are going to have to solve moving forward, like disinformation and fake news. Amidst all this, young people, as has been the case throughout history, are going to be the source of the new ways of thinking and creative solutions to the challenges that the current generations in power have been unable to solve. So along those lines, we wanted to hear from the perspective of today's youth in Europe, what are the modern day versions of the Berlin Wall? What are the barriers, physical or otherwise, that are separating people today and need to be brought down? Let's hear from Alexander Savage first. Well, I think that we're living in this age of uh, people where people are very much divided. I, I don't think in my entire life people have been so divided, not only in my country, but also in Europe and worldwide. And that's why we have far-right groups uh, increasing their power within all over the world, you know. And that is an issue, you know. People start pointing fingers at each other and then these totalitarian leaders start dividing us, you know, and then the freedom start, starts being in danger. And that's the beginning of something that could be, I don't know, new generation fascism that could seriously endanger everything we gained in the past decades. In every country in Europe, we are always facing another wall and we always need to, need to break another walls and other barriers. And when it comes to a modern wall in our countries, in the Balkan region, is probably nationalism, it's populism, and it's fake news. Uh, like, mostly 95% of the media in Bosnia and Herzegovina is ruled by some party. We, we are facing fake news and uh, fake news and misinformation like on, on a daily basis. And the problem starts when people start believing in those fake news. And it's a problem that is happening currently this time in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And I would love to break that wall down. <laughs> Uh, when uh, most of people do not socially benefit from the economic growth, those numbers of how GDP per capita grew remain just um, an empty word for them. Because you have to be benefiting, at least in some ways. Of course, not everybody cannot benefit like in the same way and cannot have the same wealth. But you have to see that your life is improving along with those big numbers in these international uh, ratings and rankings? It is, it is a, it could be a very complicated answer, but I would try to simplify it as much as I can. Right now there is an uh, undergoing judicial reform in Albania, which is not completed yet. The most important start is for the constitutional court to be established finally, because we still don't have a constitutional court. That will be the first uh, thing because uh, judiciary system is very important. That process isn't done yet, but we are looking forward to it because the system we have had until now it has been a very corrupted one. The judicial system, it's, it's the start of every bad or good thing that, that happens uh, to a country probably. But meanwhile, I am a young person and as a young person I'm so worried about the brain drain that's happening in Albania right now. So I hope that politics deals with um, what's urgent to deal with. Certainly, a lot of those themes that Yuela and others discussed aren't just present in Europe. 
they're shared by countries all over the world. And whether it's polarization or fake news or inequality or brain drain, uh, a common theme is the sense that the way things are being done right now isn't producing the type of society that generations of Europeans, in this case, envisioned. And that's precisely why it's so important that young leaders, like these Eden members, are involved in politics and activism. So many of the challenges facing Europe boil down to different groups of people feeling the economic and political systems, as they're currently arranged, don't work for them and have lost touch with regular people. And young people are the ones who bring the energy and new ways of thinking to reestablish those connections. So their participation is the difference between the system adapting and becoming obsolete. Not most of the politicians, but some of the politicians who are still in charge or who are MPs or like even members of government or uh, if you want prime minister as well or speaker of the parliament, they have been in politics since I can remember. So what we could do as young people is bring new ideas, new energy to the politics in Albania and finally delivering stuff because I think that those who have been around these last three decades sometimes, uh, they have given what, whatever they could give to us and to, to, to the country. Now it's time for the young people to, to take over. Well, I think that, you know, uh, yeah, we have these far-right groups, we have these different kinds of extremists trying to endanger democracy, but on the other hand, we have lots of people fighting to defend it and to improve it, and that's an amazing thing to see. There are new generations of women in politics, new generation of people who were not represented five or ten years ago that are now, you know, playing at the, at the big tables with, with everyone else, and that's an amazing thing to witness and it's very important i think that young people are being empowered to 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 take more interest in politics and to actually also be represented because young people also lack representation in politics and i don't think it's at the level i would like it to be even now but it's getting there and that gives me lots of hope the last point alexander made is really the whole point of this episode it's getting there it really might not seem like it, but when it comes to actually solving all these problems we hear about, democracy is getting there. It's always been a slow and imprecise and frustrating process, but there will always be people who support democracy's principles. Because even if politics as a brand is suffering a public confidence crisis, the human desire to better your own life and the lives of people you care about is timeless. It's important for supporters of democracy to recognize the essential role that young people play, renewing that desire all over the globe. A, a friend of ours was killed by skinhead nationalist group in, in Russia, and it was never investigated. So growing up with this, I really was thinking about politics and about, you know, improving something in my country. And I always wanted this, as I could see how life was going on and improving. I could see this from my school when we, when they first brought computers into the school, when we started having textbooks in Braille or audio, because in my first years, my mother would have to read everything to me. Uh, when when they installed heating in, in the school, like centralized heating, 
So, so I could see all around me these improvements and that, that we were making this life happen. And this is what made me feel that this country is really mine, that it really gives me opportunity because it's, it's in the end, it's about how do we live. So we should think about not what delivered or what has not delivered, but how do we want to leave? What else I'm, I'm doing, it's um, getting more people involved into politics. Because, for example, I personally was, at the beginning, really kind of ashamed and scared of saying, hey, I'm related to politics. Because when you go out and say it, people are looking at you like a bit dodgy and like, okay, you're going to do something like lying, stealing, what do you want of me? Like, how are you going to use me exactly? And when you go out and say, hey, look, okay, that's what I've done and that's what I've done. And I really want things to change and showing that you're willing to change. That, that's really amazing and really empowering, telling the, the truth and telling your personal story. Because many young people, they're actually afraid of joining and afraid of saying, hey, I'm doing politics. And it, it's really empowering and really good seeing how people actually, once they get the sense of belonging, they really get inspired and start doing things. So to close this out, I want to leave you with a snippet from Luka Grzyzolowski from North Macedonia, briefly explaining in his own words his journey in politics so far and what inspired him. I am coming from right-wing political party. It's called Vomoro Topomone. In the past, my parents, my family uh, was related with this party because we believe in that kind of ideology. We are a conservative uh, family. I was active for 10 years in the executive committee of the youth of Vomara Dapamane. First step was that to be active in political party. And after that, uh, when I was 18, the president of the Youth Forces Union of Vomara Dapamane called me, Luca, do you want to be president of the high school union of Vomara Dapamane? I said, yes, I want to be president. Why not? I went to every city in my country to make a, one network of the youth who will support us with different kinds of activities. Uh, for high schoolers. After that, I was 21, when the leadership of the youth of my party changed, we had a new president and uh, told me to me, Luka, do you want to be part of my executive? I said, yes, do you want to be president of the city of Skopje, that's the capital? I said, why not? I have experience, I have 21 years, I'm ambitious, and I want to meet more and more friends and to learn uh, something from them. That uh, was four years period when I was going to every village in Skopje, going to every place in Skopje to talk with people, to share opinions, to solve their problems if I can. After that, I was elected president of all the youth of Vamaro Dapone. And I was leading the youth almost one year. And uh, there was one situation because I disagreed with the politics with, of my president of mother party. I told to him and uh, to my members, youth members who were supporting me, that I am going to resign, that we should stay on the path to, to the West and to the USA. And uh, after that, after I shared my my resignation, I, I got on very negative comments. And uh, be before that, there were my friends, something like that. But all in all, I'm not in politics to make money or things uh, like that. I want to help to the people to change something. And uh, I'm very happy uh, that I did too many activities when I was president in that one year. Because I, I have friends in every city now. I, I learned many things 
from politics, the contacts I have are the most richest thing that I have. For example, if I have problems with car in some place out of Skopje, I have friends to help me. I think it's a good one to end on because Luca's story pulls together a lot of themes for this episode, which, if I had to spell them out, would be democracy may be about grand ideas, uh, about how society should organize itself, but ultimately it's played out through people acting according to a set of values. So as long as there are those people who are willing to act according to a set of democratic values, democracy won't just survive, it will thrive. And there's no shortage of people around the world, and certainly in Europe today, uh, who are committed to democratic values and live their lives accordingly. So that's it, friends. If you like what you heard today, definitely mash that subscribe button and leave us a review. Uh, you can email us your longer-form thoughts at podcast at iri.org. This has been Sam Johannes, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Global.